Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the Pants Party. It is Harrison Starr, HD underscore star on Twitter. Ben Ross, RenVoss23. Harmon Chillabrew. One of us is still recovering from Vegas. X amount of days later. Way more than I'd like to admit. How are you? And the other one of us is recovering from a golf trip <laughs> four weeks ago. Still. <laughs> one that thrust him into physical therapy. So, oh, no. <clears throat> who, uh, which one of us is winning? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Stay. In, we'll find out in four weeks. Y- y- physical therapy, Ben. I know. I'm so old. It's the worst. I think I'm hoping Friday will be my last session. Okay. So is it like a wrist thing or a corner. knee thing or no? It's my back. Uh, my back. I can't move. <laughs> that's brutal. I, it's the worst. Uh, yeah. My dad has a bad back. I, I. You know what I have to do now? I have to do stretches every morning. I have to get out of bed before I even have my coffee. I have to stretch for like fifteen to twenty minutes. It's good for you. Can you send me those stretches? What are the stretches you're doing? I'm not, we're not going to get on. We're not going to. And the worst is my physical therapist keeps on texting me and adding more. So it's like started off with four stretches. Then he added two more two weeks later. Then he added two more. I got a text from him today. So it's now like literally it's close to 40 minutes of stretching. Every, like I don't have time. I can't do this. It's like a whole, in addition to like the workouts I do, it's a whole other workout. Yeah. It is. It is. Yoga is a thing, Ben. Maybe that's just what your does. Your uh, physical therapist have like a yoga studio on the side, just trying to <laughs> transition you from one I, to the other. Yeah, it's a little bit of a racket because he just comes to my gym. Oh yeah, and so it's like incredibly convenient. So I just see him before, like usually before I work out, when I can time it up perfectly, and it just it makes it too easy. Oh, that man's a genius. I know. That's incredible. That's incredible. I will say, like, being at the When We Were Young Festival, Ben, mm-hmm. staying out past about night, it. three straight uh, mm. nights, brutal. It was brutal. I'm just, I'm just not built for it. Uh, 25 other people aren't built for it either because that's the number of people that were missing on our uh, 6, 15... AM flight out of Las Vegas, which was a bold decision. What were you thinking? Yeah. Well, I was thinking we had to get back and uh, take Elliot because we we dropped him mm. off in Dallas and then we drove back on on a Sunday night. So long day. How long's that drive? Uh, five hours, if you take the direct route. I see you're shaking your head. <laughs> why Why do you take the not direct route? Uh, Christina needed to stop, and we accidentally got on a turnpike. At Bucky's? No, not at not at Bucky's. Uh, and instead of taking the exit to the gas station, she took the exit to the uh, 
the um, Cherokee Turnpike, and there's no exits to turn around on this thing, so we had to end up just taking the long way around. It worked. It's fine. I just feel bad because she doesn't like driving in the the dark, and she ended up having to drive 15... Now I was probably close to 30, 45 minutes in the dark that she wasn't planning on doing. But, hey... I love you. Shouldn't have missed take, the turn. Take take the correct exit. That to yeah. be too much of a, a curmudgeon about it. But no, it was a fun festival. Like, um, I I have to say, I think uh, the All American Rejects are what I'm going to take away from it. Though they were incredible. They played for 30 minutes, all bangers. Um, dressed up like Elvis. He did little more of an Elvis impersonation than I expected him to do for the whole time. And it, it, it wasn't bad, got to say. Um, and then Taking Back Sunday, Christine and I got uh, disconnected so we couldn't find each other during them. So, like, we were watching them simultaneously from, like, way back. I think he's lost a step, which stinks. Um, but he also said he's been in Vegas, had been in Vegas for, like, 10 days so i think you lose steps when you're you're that far you're in vegas for that long and then the other weird highlight ben was 303 the it was a pretty fun concert so uh definitely definitely fun definitely saw some other bands but it was good got some merch got elliot a merch uh t-shirt so he'll have that for when he grows up to be like five and can fit into a youth small but um, fun stuff. Was this a strictly music trip? Were you able? Did you do any gambling? Did you stay in a casino? Yeah. So we were at the Cosmo, um, and my wife and our friend no free ads yeah, uh, aren't uh, big gamblers. So like, I also am not a big gambler. But you know, I had budgeted some to to you know just throw into a couple machines and didn't even go through it because like you know how much fun can you really have when it's like one person sitting at a machine and two other people watching so it was it was fun it was fun for that uh i mean to me the takeaway from vegas is always going to be the food just because you have all the celebrity chefs all have restaurants there and you can eat whatever you want and it's all pretty good if not great. Did you do the any buffets, the famous Caesar's buffet or anything like that? No, no buffet, no buffet. I probably should have. Um, we did this one restaurant called Super Frico, and it was called Italian American Psychedelic. And they would have like, it was like dimly lit black lights, and then there would be kind of circus performers that kind of walked around and juggled or did stretching routines or flexibility routines. You know what I'm... <laughs> so that was fun. Um, Tinner and a show. I know. And then uh, when Christine and I got right in, we went to um, Jose Andres's restaurant in the uh, Cosmopolitan that was ch- like Chinese and Mexican simultaneously so we were able to get like a real good noodle dish some great tacos christina had a margarita with like sea foam salt on the top i call it sea foam it was like salt foam but 
it was good stuff. It was good stuff. And, and I think, you know, the big takeaway for me is, like, I shouldn't watch any Iowa game because Iowa comes out and plays the best they've looked uh, in 2022. Did you see any of the game? No. No, I didn't. Okay. Like, I kept telling myself, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch, like, the super cut of all of this. But I... I did you have you even watched the highlights? Have you done anything? I've read enough uh, okay. uh, recaps to be mad about Iowa busting out the entire playbook against the worst team on their schedule. Like, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's that's probably where we should start, Ben, because like I, I'm leaning on you for for not the boots on the ground reporting. You weren't there, but for your takeaways while you're watching it. And like, t- to me, the thing that does stick out is scoring on seven of their eight drives. And that was something that Matt put like at the top of the recap. And I thought that even though some of them are field goals, field goals are failures, yada, 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 uh, quote stats of, of war on that one. But, um, you know, seven out of eight, Iowa gets that. Even if Iowa scores seven field goals, that's 21 points and they should win whenever they score 21 points. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sorry, they keep on changing where the mute button is on this fucking thing. Um, my takeaway, I only watched the first three quarters. Okay. I went to a Halloween party pregame for the fourth. They had, I kept an eye on it. They had it on there. My, you know, a win's a win. Let's just get that out of the way. Yes. My takeaway from everything is Northwestern is really, really bad. You know, I, you know, I don't want to belittle any of the team's accomplishments, Iowa's accomplishments. Uh, you know, the defense played as well as they have all year. God, I think I read somebody's recap yesterday. So the defense didn't play stellar. Then the very next sentence, he said they had seven sacks. I was like, by what fucking metric is that not stellar? Yeah. Like, that is true. Like, reading that, it's like, oh, because they gave up, I think – for you know, 350 yards or something to Northwestern is like they scored 13 points. Like, oh my god, it's exhausting. And I can keep on going getting into this. We'll, I think we'll come get there organically. But it's like, you know, now the job is once again Petrus's for the remainder of the year until it isn't. You know, it really. I think Caleb Johnson emerged as true number one. Deontay Vines are uh, could become good. I like seeing a wide receiver with the number zero. 
Um, we're never going to see Keegan Johnson in a Iowa jersey again. You know, it's just like try not to – and I'm going to become more negative as this gets on, but it's like, you know, we did what we should have done. We did the Northwestern yes. what we should have done in Northwestern. We also should have done this to South Dakota State. We probably should have done this to Iowa State too yeah. with the way – the season shake out. I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but you know, those are my quick hits. Yeah. I don't want to speak too out of turn, but like I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I was not keeping up with Twitter or anything during the game, but there was one point where there was a little bit of a lull and I got on the bird app and five, someone's like, Oh, for the fifth sack of the game, Lucas Van Ness or whatever, and I see, like, the timestamp of it, and it's in the second quarter. And it's like, to your point, like, the defense could play better, but also they couldn't play better. And I think that the stat sack number is kind of interesting because the, the line of demarcation that Mark Morehouse had always used was if Iowa gets to 30 sacks, that is a pretty good indication of just how good the team is. Um, And uh, uh, and they're at 21 now. So, like, four more games left. Can they get another two per game plus presumably a bowl game? Because I think I'm amongst the most negative of fans that thought, hey, it's Fitz, he's going to figure out a way. I was not going to put enough distance between uh, them and, and the Wildcats, but they did. And, and to your point, like I, as I kind of was talking to my dad earlier this week, I don't <laughs> want to belittle it, but to me it's, is this the high point of the season or is it going to be a jumping off jumping off point for the rest of the season because as important as that win was it was just one win they need to get two more to get to a bowl I mean I think everyone's got Nebraska penciled in as one but and maybe increasingly Minnesota so getting to that six number looks reasonable but there's even a shot that Iowa wins the west from behind at this point undeserved and you know if it's that jumping off point I think people will feel a lot better about the season at large especially if the offense can put up even 24 to to 33 points over the next four games but if it's oh the most points Iowa scored in a game this year was uh 33 in a one-off game against Northwestern and every other game they were uh you know Below twenty four outside of on homecoming too. That's important yeah. to consider too on homecoming. Yeah, at home. So that's that leads me into me pissing into the Cheerios yeah. and being grumpy. I think for a while here. Okay. Okay. Would you be happy? And I'm going to preface a tirade with this question. Would you be happy with an eight win season this year? Iowa goes on and wins out. I I had them at seven. So to me, it would be okay. exceeding expectations. But that was under the assumption that the offense would be a little better. So, uh, there's a tweet, and I we I pick on him a lot, and that's mainly because he's the only guy who I pay to read on the Iowa beat. Right. 
But Scott Dockerman had a tweet on Monday or Sunday after the game, the 31st, whatever day that was. Iowa ruined a few weekends by not playing poorly enough against lowly Northwestern and validating their desire to complain. Lucky for them, there's always next weekend against a better opponent. Eight thoughts from Iowa 33-13 win. That is the most shrimp-dicked, fucking, out-of-touch tweet I've ever read in my entire life. Furthermore, let me go on. He responds to the tweet. If I had a Twitter poll where if 4-8 and eight meant getting rid of Brian and 8-4 and four meant keeping him, there are plenty that would root for 4-8. and eight. I have a question. What would you... I know I just asked you, would you be happy with eight wins? Yeah. What would you prefer? An eight and four season where we keep Brian or four and eight where we fire him? I mean, it's, it's a toss up to me. It's a toss up to me. Like here is what he, let me just run down. Here's yeah. what an eight and four season where keeping Brian has gotten you. It got you seven points against South Dakota state. Yes. Three. Actually win. it got Yes, you're right. You're right. It got you three points in a 7-3 win over South Dakota State. That's make It got you 10 points, or excuse me, got you seven points in a 10-7 loss to Iowa State, first time you lost to them in six years. It got you six points in a 9-6 loss to Illinois, your first loss to Illinois in eight years, Iowa's longest active winning streak against any opponent. And then what eight wins will continue to get you It'll get you a win over Purdue, which a very down Purdue team, I think we can agree on, even though they have all these offensive weapons. Potentially, yeah. It will get you It will get you a win over Wisconsin, who fired their coach yes. midseason. It will get you a win over Minnesota, who's playing with either their backup or their third-string quarterback and their number two wide receiver, and who knows about Muhammad Ibrahim, how he's going to be healthy in late November. And then finally, a win over Nebraska, who would also who I don't I think that's another eight win streak who also fired their coach midseason. What about those eight wins is satisfying? What about those eight wins is like, yes, give me more of that. And I don't want to compare. I'll let you react and then I'll continue. I think the nature of the next four wins is the most important four game stretch of Kirk Ferentz's tenure. I just genuinely believe it because I think everyone kind of had in their mind that the first seven games of the schedule was going to be potentially a bloodbath. I don't think anyone saw necessarily the Illinois game preseason playing out as gnarly as it did. I would have expected that game in the teens. I would have expected Iowa, Iowa State to be in the teens. And to your point, I would have expected, you know, Iowa doing what they did in Northwestern against South Dakota State. But if by some grace of whatever happens, Iowa gets to eight wins and looks, like I said, as a with this past game as a jumping off point versus the high point, I think you take it. But I, I, I'm not, that's why I don't, gut sign up for the eight wins keep Brian for next year because we we've seen the best and the worst of Brian as an offensive coordinator over the last six years and you see the worst of it so much more and I'm I will say I am sick of riding a 
an elite defense, which Iowa has done for the last two seasons, I will say a third if you count 2019, probably a fourth if you count 2020 if you want to. So at least three out of the last four years, probably four straight years. And to me, it's it's a dereliction of duty to not leverage such the high floor that Iowa has by virtue of their defense and trying to shoot the moon. Like that that's to me it, it ultimately comes down to Kirk Ferentz does not truly have like national goals. And I think that people like you and me and and I think plenty in the fan base that would prefer prefer the four and eight. No, people prefer not having the offensive coordinator that Iowa currently has. And if the cost of that is four and eight to get rid of it and to see Iowa try and achieve more by virtue of an offense that pulls its weight, they're willing to accept that season. It's not a preference. It's a, I'm willing to accept four and eight if it means a change in how Iowa operates offensively. So, so that's why to me it's a toss up because like, you know, like I, I do think you look at 2019 through this season, it feels ridiculous that I was probably only going to come out with just one West title adding 2018 to it too. Right? Like, I mean, the, the defense has been so good. The offensive talent, especially in 2018, 2019, to some respect, Going five years with just one West title and Northwestern for as bad as they've been the last two years, getting two in the two in those three seasons, it just feels like there's they win a lot of games, but they don't win. They don't put themselves in a position to be nationally renowned like they could. I'm so glad you brought this up organically. Because the national thing, because this is the next point I wanted to make. I was listening to another college football podcast and they had a guy, uh, an Auburn beat writer on. And I, and I think Auburn to Iowa is a horrible comparison on the whole because Auburn is a special place. And I mean that in the most pejorative way possible. (laughs) Um, But the guy was saying there are basically unwritten rules for he was, he was on to react to Brian Harson's firing. And there are more or less unwritten, not rules, um, built-ins, requirements of an Auburn coach. And they're really not that lofty when you're, when they're spelled out. It's to beat Alabama once every four and five years, and then to split with Georgia and Florida about every two to three years. So just beat Georgia and Florida once every, twi- once every three years or so, and beat Alabama once every four years or so. Not the craziest thing. When you look at it and then transfer it over to Iowa, Iowa can't even beat Wisconsin once every five years in a row, let alone fucking Purdue. Just taking yeah. in a vacuum. Yeah. Taking in a taking those parameters in vacuum and lowering the bar even more would be if we were if we had Auburn brain, which I'm glad we don't. I'm not advocating we that. adopt yeah. Auburn brain. We would be we we would be on coach number three of the last 10 years of the Ferentz era. And like my question 
is that such a bad thing? Like to fucking reach the stars and shoot for the moon because the handicapping that we have over this, like talk about going to the big 10 West to make, to make it to illustrate even further. We're Owen three against Michigan in the last since 2017. So how many years is that? Five years where I, I believe is it one and two against Penn state in the last three meetings. Is that right? Two and one, two okay. and one. Is it two and one? Yeah. Okay. And then one and one against Ohio state, which I mean, honestly you take that. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, whatever we can talk. We didn't bring up, you know, getting embarrassed on Brian's resume or getting embarrassed three weeks ago against Ohio state earlier at the top. It's like, you know, that's a given, but I mean, honestly, man, I am so tired of really this defeatist attitude and mentality around this football program and this offense and the coaches. It's, it's fascinating to me because like, this is, it Kirk Ferentz hasn't leveraged his superhero in Phil Parker to take risks. He's leveraged his superhero to minimize every risk. And to me, the only way I can frame that is through, uh, through self-preservation. Because he knows that the higher the floor, the easier it is to keep, you know, the neighbors at bay. Like, you you don't have to worry. People look like idiots. And, and, and like, I I put myself in this as well. Like, we look dumb when we're like, oh, I owe another 8-4 season. Get rid of the guy because we know the constraints of Iowa football. It's tough to get Iowa, you know, really good Iowa, really good recruits to Iowa if they do not have some amount of ties to Iowa, whether it's legacy or in-state being born and raised in Recruiting's state. Recruiting's the best it's ever been. Recruiting is the healthiest yes. it's ever been. Yes. And and that's the good counterpoint is recruiting's the best it's ever been. But look where the what side of the ball those recruits are on. Like, I, I was, I think I may have raised this last time. They're almost <laughs> all on the defense. Yeah, but if you can't tell me Cooper DeGene and Xavier Wonkba couldn't be helping this offense if this team was a little bit more creative. Exactly. Like, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is like Iowa has leveraged their superhero and Phil Parker. Hell, even Robbie Moss. Yeah. Iowa could have, you know, Cooper DeGene could be a Division One level quarterback. But the fact that he plays for Kirk Ferentz's Iowa, he is going to be an impact defensive back for two seasons and go get paid. And I don't blame DeGene at all. I blame the structure within Kirk Ferentz's created Iowa football where you take your freak athletes and you put them in relatively high-impact positions, but not the most high impact position in quarterback and when you like I said when you have a Phil Parker you should be able to trust oh I'm going to be able to have a top 10 defense every year let's take a risk with Cooper DeGene for two seasons see if he can make an impact as a quarterback and then worst case yeah he's he'll go and be a really good defensive back for a year or two before going to the NFL 
but that they use what structures in place not to take risks, but to minimize risks. I mean, yeah, we, we know that. It's just like, I, I keep on beating in the bush where it's like, I'm not going to apologize for wanting, sorry, uh, for wanting to, to catch one of these East teams sleeping in the Big Ten Championship. I'm yeah. not going to apologize for wanting to build a winning streak against Wisconsin for the first time of my Iowa fandom life. Yeah. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen that yet. And not, I don't, don't think this is the year that's gonna, we're going to start either. I'd like to beat Purdue. <laughs> Want, like, that's the thing. Yeah. Is, okay, you know, 10 wins last year. Could have had 11 if you would have beaten fucking Purdue. Could have had 12 if you could have beaten fucking Wisconsin and Purdue. Like, the apple is there for us to bite it. And we're then we're just fed a Big Ten West championship on a fluke that we had nothing to do with. Let me remind everybody that we fell in ass backwards into the Big Ten West championship, into the Big Ten championship game. And then it got played like a team that fell ass backwards in the Big Ten championship. Like... I am not going to take these moral victories and these 10 win seasons and these, you know, Kirk Ferentz lifetime contract things seriously anymore because I look around, I, wa- I look around and watch, I watch TCU. I watch the big, I basically watch the Big 12 writ large. You do watch a lot of season. Big 12, yeah. Yeah, because I, I had so much money on Oklahoma State to go to the playoff and <laughs> they just, oh my God, I've never seen a team more embarrassed. But it's the most, I think it's objectively, it's the most fun conference to watch this year. I kind of feel like Oklahoma and uh, Texas got to be kicking themselves for leaving because the amount of eyeballs on these Big 12 games are quite good. But I, I watch TCU. I watch Kansas State. I watch, I mean, previous versions of Iowa State even a little bit, but not really. And I watch Oklahoma State and Baylor to a lesser extent. It's like, why can't – if I would did any of these, we would run fucking train through the Big Ten West division at nobody would be able to keep up with Iowa and say what you want about the complimentary football and everything like that. The defensive coordinators for the guy who left Oklahoma state last year. And I believe is now the defensive coordinator for Ohio state, Ohio state yeah. this year. I can, is it Jeff Knowles? Is that his name? Yeah. Jim um, Knowles, yeah. Something like that. Jim Knowles. You can't tell me that they, we just wouldn't like any co- And here's, that's another thing too, is I feel like the way you, you take, one solution you do for anything you take one solution another solution and then you figure out how to make it fucking work you know if iowa gets an explosive offense you the defense just you, you can't tell me that phil parker wouldn't be able to find a way just to make it to figure it out to make it work these are guys making eight hundred thousand dollars a year 1.2 million dollars a year like you mean to tell me that Oh, if we score 44 points a game, like we're going to give up 45. That is the most defeatist. Again, I'm, I'm feeling feisty shrimp dicked fucking attitude to, to approach this violent sport. It, it is some, it is something weird that Iowa football fans writ large have bought. I think up until this season that, the, it's like we're, I mean, we're getting boiled. It's like frogs getting boiled in a pot of water slowly. Yeah, we've been, it's all we've known for twenty-two years or however many years, and 
this is it. This is life. This is the way we've all, always done things. Yeah. Still get a milkman. Still get a newspaper delivered. Why would I change? And the the thing about the... Like, here's what, where I struggle. is You can't tell me the best way to protect your defense isn't to score points. That's ultimately where, like, I've just... I'm beyond getting gaslit. Where, oh, we need to play field position game, yada, yada, yada. The best way to protect your defense is to score more points than your opponent. And and I think like here here's the structure the structure I've referenced multiple times but the structure Kirk has put in place puts such a an emphasis on the margins that when you do watch some of these other teams like Purdue I think is am I doing a great transition? Purdue's a great example because they're one where their margin plays horrible. Like they are really not that good on the margins in the three or four games that I've watched them. They tackle a little sloppy. They make really dumb penalties. They give up a bucket of points because, oh, they think, in some ways, they think that we have an offense that can go out and score again. And, of course, that comes in some respect from Jeff Brom. He's always thinking, hey, He's thinking how I want Iowa to think a little bit more of. The best way to protect your defense is to score points. But it's this false dichotomy that you can't emphasize, hey, we our goal as a defense is to shut out every opponent. You can still have that goal and have a different goal on offense, which is, hey, we're going to try and score as many points as possible. Because I, I think about it from... The respect of like points not found points not found uh i think about it from the respect of a perfect game for phil parker is zero points what is a perfect game for iowa's offense is it scoring touchdowns on eight of eight possessions like th- th- what or is it just not just going a game without turning the ball over because <laughs> i referenced my dad i'll reference him again because I, I think it's funny he's like too many times this season, like, Spencer Petrus will have a three and out, and they just, like, jog on over, like, do his little clap. And it's like, okay, didn't turn it over. Successful possession. Got the hands on our best player. And it's like, you can have it both ways. Like, that that's ultimately what I come down to is you can have it both ways. And the fact that Kirk presents football in this way that is counter to everything that's happening within the national landscape of college football. And he says, no, you can't do it that way. Why not? Why can't you emphasize offense a little bit more? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm sick of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, what, what more is there to even talk about it? I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Ben is like, that's your, your concern with eight and four, a hypothetical eight and four, which is my concern with a hypothetical eight and four, is that Iowa squeaks by these next four opponents in some various degrees, and we talked about it last week, and it justifies everything that Kirk Ferentz did this year. And then he can he can stand up at the end of the season and be like, you know what, we didn't have a full wide receiver locker, full wide receiver room at the beginning of the year. Our offensive line took all year to grow. Um, but we came out with eight wins and gave us a chance, gave, gave ourselves a chance at uh, 
going back to Indianapolis. And, you know, two plays go a different way. We are in Indianapolis and we've got 10 wins. But that's not the way it works, but that's probably how he's thinking about it in grand scheme of things. Like, oh, my process still works. And everyone that's employed by Iowa football can continue to be employed by Iowa football. It's the first time I've really felt strongly about this fake ID of college football fucking moniker that I don't think keeps on coming up, but I'm, I kind of want to bring it back because it would be the week. Would it be the weakest eight and four in all of college football? It would have to be truly. I mean, no wins over ranked teams, two wins over coaches who fired two wins over fired coaches. Yeah. One win over an FCS school. One win over. Like, come on. Two wins over bottom ten teams in Nevada and North. I guess how many? How many of? How many? Te- we it would. We'd have to wait and see. But like, how many of those? I think by my math right now, the most wins we could have over a team with a winning rock record is three. Or the most teams we would have wins over with a winning record would be three. Oh, that'd be Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yes. And then not counting whatever South Dakota State does. That's a dark way to frame it, I think. That's horrible. It's 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 this old Bill Simmons trope. It's like, is Iowa a good bad team or are they a bad good team? No, they're just a bad team. Why can't why can't you just be a bad they're a bad bad team? The, they're a bad bad team the in a dog shit good. conference. <laughs> <sighs> I, I guess you're right. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if 50% of one is still pretty bad. It's still a failing grade. 50% is still a failing grade. I know. I know. I still haven't done the complimentary football scorecard, but like, I still come back to Iowa only has three, got three touchdowns on Saturday. And it's like, god's gift to the iowa fan base like i like like it's easy for me to have not seen the game not witnesses live not enjoyed it as other fans enjoyed it but it's just like you step back and it's like huh You're, I not even 400 yards seven yards per pass yes barely five so look, yards per so carry Iowa scored three touchdowns against northwestern you know who's who you know who scored more maryland they scored four wisconsin they scored six Southern Illinois, they scored four. Duke, they scored four. Nebraska, they scored four. All those teams scored more touchdowns against Northwestern than Iowa did, and we're all fucking super happy about that. Furthermore, let's see. Um, no, Southern who, Illinois, did you get Southern Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. Southern Illinois, um, Nebraska, or let's see, excuse me. Nebraska had more 465 total yards against Nebraska. Or, I mean, excuse me. Nebraska had 465 total yards against Northwestern. Iowa had 398. Duke had 461 total yards. Um, Penn State had 360. Wisconsin had 500 and fucking 15. Maryland had 423. Like, let's not pretend like I was even compared to its peers and lessers, this performance was anything special. It was special because we've been feeding, we've been eating dog food all year, and <laughs> we just got served ground turkey, the worst of the ground meats. Yeah, I mean it's as I said from the jump, this is either going to be the starting point for the rest of the year, 
or it's going to be the high point of the year. I don't think there's any in between. And that's that's like that's what makes the game against Purdue so interesting is it's beating Purdue in some way would be like, oh, and this is maybe counter to your point because we should always be beating Purdue in, in, in I think, your head. Or at least we shouldn't be 1-5 in five against Jeff Brom. But if Iowa notches a win against Purdue, I, you're still thinking, well, 8-4 and four still isn't much. Like, is that kind of where your head's at where it's like, ah, uh, or does it? It depends on how they beat. It depends how they beat Purdue, but it's like I don't. I don't think there's any way they reach eight and four just because. I mean, maybe they beat Purdue. There's no way they beat Wisconsin. Um, Minnesota is kind of a toss up. Depends on their health. I think if they have Muhammad Ibrahim, and no matter how good the defense is, if they have Tanner Morgan and Muhammad Ibrahim, there's no way we beat Minnesota. And then Nebraska end of the year. That's. I kind of think we beat them, but. That's not a given anymore. It's just such basically I've I'm there's no way I can find happiness. Okay. Yeah. I mean I the only thing the like, the only way I can find really happiness is like they run the table and make it the Big Ten championship and then they upset Ohio State or Michigan <laughs> and knock the Big Ten out of the playoff. I would love that. <laughs> I mean, I've had this take for the Big Ten. I think they're getting two teams in. And so I think I don't think so. Whether Ohio State or Michigan loses to Iowa, I think the other one would still get in. The SEC gets three before the Big Ten gets two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like I think that ultimately, where I'm thinking is that the thing about this defense is I just. At this point, they are too good to get boom-roasted by Jeff Brom again. Like, there is no weak point on this defense, which is famous last words, that can be exposed by a team that isn't a Death Star. But I will say, like, the Big Ten Network chose violence this morning on Twitter and put together a David Bell supercut. And the thing that does concern me is... What was most impressive about Ohio State is how great their wide receivers were in terms of catching the ball. But C.J. Stroud, every one of those throws that he had to make in like the third and fourth quarter, they were perfect throws. And they needed to be perfect. And seeing that David Bell supercut, it reminded me, crap. Purdue has quarterbacks that can make really, really good throws. And... That's that's always why I'm going to be scared when Iowa play, plays Purdue. Just because it's... The, with, with Jeff Brom's Purdue, they're going to have quarterbacks that can make those throws. And it's like watching a different sport because Iowa does not have quarterbacks that can make those throws. You're right. I mean, different sport. I said it again. Is there anything else? I said it before. Yeah. Yeah, I do have one more th- okay. gripe okay. I want to bring up. Okay. And we're gonna keep on ragging him on him. If he, I, I will. I, my DMs are open, Scott. <laughs> he wrote another article, another piece. I was use of jet sweeps oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. major focal point. Yes. Did you not write this in the off season? 
did you not write this exact same fucking story? I I have up been the season or early in the year. I have been or somebody else on staff did. I th- it might have been Thad or it might have just been Slack conversations. My I have been so aghast with Iowa's lack of use of jet sweep up until this week. That's why I view it as like a um, kitchen sink game because it's like oh this is finally Iowa thinks they can expose a defense using jet sweep. Why is it not a base part of the offense? Why is it not a base part of the offense? Because in what Docterman writes, he's saying, or people are saying, yeah, it forces hesitation on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. And it's like, for a young line like Iowa has, you should be trying to scrape every advantage you have every single play. And obviously, you can't do jet sweep every single play, but you should be doing it enough that you're causing hesitation and helping your base offense have success. Like the thing that he was, he had written, I think in it was Iowa or no, it might've been Hawkeye game film. He said, Iowa's most successful rushing plays were just straight inside outside zone. The easiest way to have success with inside and outside zone is to make the defense think in ways that inside and outside zone don't necessarily force defenses to think they can overload it so yeah it's infuriating that iowa is like oh finally runs a bunch of jet sweep as if we didn't think jet sweep could help this offense this whole season and now it'll probably be shelved like am i gonna count am i gonna chart while i'm at the game oh jet sweep jet sweep jet sweep maybe maybe i will yeah so you still are going to the game i am I am indeed. My God. I know. I know. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I have no idea what I'm going to wear. Do I go wolf <laughs> in sheep's clothing? Um, maybe. But maybe I just go with a, a black and gold windbreaker and make people think. Mm-hmm. That might be the way Second to Second guess them. Yeah. <sighs> but it's... I don't know, Ben. Like, this Purdue team... They are exactly like every other Purdue team, and that concerns me. That concerns me. Do we want to talk about any uh, Charlie Jones discourse? I'm sick of it. Um, I mean, it's not that by itself. Again, assessment should should be another reason. Like, honestly, dude, I just can't stop going back to the document tweet about how fans were cheering for a loss. And it's like, no, we're not cheering for a loss. We're cheering for what's the word accountability. I'm serious. Like dude. And then Kirk's quotes even doubled down on like them being okay with Charlie Jones leaving this week. It's like, Purdue identified in 20 minutes what they had in Charlie Jones, what you couldn't in three years. Like, again, that, that is the accountability. I, I want some punishment. I want blood. I want scalps. I want competent, good, fun football. Like, that isn't a lot to ask for. I don't feel like I'm Auburn-braining this. I don't feel like I'm belittling – past accomplishments. I don't feel like I'm being greedy. 
I feel like I'm fucking right because I am like, I think I'm being objective and I think what I'm asking for isn't a lot. Truly. Here's something funny. When you say you, you want fun football. I, I go back to the Rutgers game that I was watching uh, in Fort Myers. And the most fun that was ever being had was when Iowa defenders had balls in their hands. And that your team should not be most electric when your offense doesn't have the ball. So I think you're totally fair and be like, I want Iowa football to just be fun because we're entering this this new world where simultaneously like certain things are going to be more achievable while other things are going to be less achievable. I think the big 10, it's going to take a miracle. I think for Iowa to win a big 10 championship from 24, 2024 onward when USC and UCLA come into play, but it's not inconceivable to think that Iowa can be, the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten and be that 10th or 11th team in a playoff. But you're not going to get in a playoff unless you are playing, in some respect, fun football because at the end of the day, the college football playoff is a television game or a television series that network executives have to put together. And whether your team is fun to watch is going to matter. And if you can't score like Iowa hasn't done for four years, they haven't had a competent offense since 2018 when Iowa had two first-round tight ends. A lot to ask uh, in college football. You're probably not going to get into the playoff, even if you may be deserving. Because people will be, there will be too many things to pick apart if you are that unbalanced. That's the biggest knock against Georgia, the number three team in the country, reigning national championship. The biggest knock is on offense, their two number one targets are tight ends. Like, <laughs> and they've got, they have one of the best defenses in the country. They have a competent head coach, and they just are decimated across uh, on the receiving end of things. But it's like, that's the biggest knock is, oh, you can't win a national championship when your number one and number two targets are tight ends. But it's like Brock Bowers. And I can't remember the guy, other guy's name. I mean, they're freaks. I mean, they're, they're two, there's TJ Hawkinson and Noah fan 2.0 over there. Um, but yeah, I think George is going to be able to find a way to figure it out. Whereas Iowa can't. Yeah. Huh. That was fun, Ben. That was fun. I, I could tell you, you, you came in hot and, and I think you were at a, I know. a full we're, boil. We're the supposed to, this is what happens when I actually prepare is I get, <laughs> this is why I don't prepare all the time because I get mad when I do my re- home research. I just <laughs> read things and get angry. Ah, uh, man. Yeah. Ah. Uh. I'll probably watch the game on, you know, my, uh, on my way to West Lafayette. That's what I'm going to do. I'll probably be like, okay. Oh, to, you mean the Northwestern game? Yeah, time to settle in. Tennessee. West, oh. No, the the West Virginia game. Ooh, basketball um, minute, Ben. You want to do a basketball minute? Yeah, we can only do one minute because I'm getting called at work. But. Oh, okay. All right, so basketball minute. I think Tony Perkins is the most important player on this team by far. 
so he's he's a point guard. That's what it looks like. Okay. And I, I would, I can imagine that it might shift with Ulysses when he's back, him and Perkins being combo guards. But to me, Tony Perkins, if he's going to be like an 18-point scorer, he had 24 against Truman State. The ceiling on this team might be the highest it's ever been. And I hate saying that. I mean, that's great. I hate saying that, Ben. That's great. <laughs> Did I read, I had to double check, was Connor McCaffrey was four for four on threes and not Pat? Yeah. Is four, that correct? Four, four for five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is is Connor going to be the sixth man or is Bowen going to be the sixth man? I think it'll be Connor. If Connor's, if Connor's a 40% three-point shooter... Has the assisted I mean, turnover thing. The kid's going to push for sixth man of the year, and I know it's going to make you angry. That's my prediction. If he gets close to 10 points, 40% shooter, get ready for it, man. I'm so ready. I I'm, can't wait. It was just, uh, It's just like watching a tonic. All righty, man. So you're not oh, – la- last question. I got to go. You're not sca- – I guess it's too early to tell. But I, 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 I just – it's not a question. I'm so concerned about the lack of a true five on this team. And I think it's going to really hurt us, but it'll hurt in certain, it'll hurt in certain games, but you're exactly right in that in March. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, Philip Robracha is, um, maybe he's the most important because he is our, he is the wall protecting us from, <laughs> he's the wall protecting the North from the, the guys behind him. The white walkers. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll talk more about when do they play this week next? Uh, they when play the 7th, next? so uh, Monday. Oh, okay. I think it's, Is that the first game of the year? Is it still an exhibition? Yeah, no, f- real game. Who is it? Bethune-Cookman. Nice. Yeah. Sounds fake. It does. It does. All righty. Well, my friends, okay. pleasure as always. <laughs> Fuck state.